Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. This is Memorial Day weekend, and that is an important date in my family because 31 years ago in Lewiston, Idaho, Lori and I met for the very first time. And we've been married 30 years, so that's remarkable. In 1971, my dad came back from Vietnam. He was with Headquarters Company, Second Field Force. He was a Corps chaplain in the United States Army. And uh, he came back uh, to um, the United States. And that was the year that I had finished my first year of college. And so we were at Grandma's house in Salem, Oregon. And uh, Dad had uh, received a Doctor of Divinity from uh, Northwest Christian College at that time. That was, that was its name. And I had just completed my first year of college. And I have, uh, was baptized when I was 10 years old in 1962. And uh, growing up, I was trying to figure out who I was, how to be what God made me to be, and I wasn't sure I was drawn to the world, I was drawn away from the world. Uh, it, was, it was a challenge, it was difficult, and I knew that I had caused my mom and dad a great deal of pain when I was growing up, going through those rebellious uh, phases. And uh, when I was at uh, Northwest Christian College that first year, um, I was captured by Jesus, uh, and um, my life became much, much different. I was there as a last resort. Uh, the plans that I had made had fallen through. And, and so going to my mom and dad's alma mater seemed to be the best second plan. And when I was there, I got captured by Jesus and recognized his great love for me. And uh, it turned my life around. But I knew that I needed to do something else. I needed to take a next step. Uh, and so um, there in, in June at grandmother's house, I went in and talked to my mom and my dad, and I asked for their forgiveness um, because I knew that I had done a lot of things that gave them anguish and a heartache, and um, I just knew that it was the right thing to do, and they forgave me. Uh, and, and it was wonderful to be forgiven and in relationship and um, uh, moving forward with life. When I graduated in 1974, Dad had retired and was taking a church in uh, Kerrville, Texas. And that summer, I got to be uh, a summer intern in youth ministry with my dad as lead pastor. And uh, that was uh, an amazing uh, summer. Uh, the, one of the joys of my life to, to recognize that my dad and I were able to work together uh, as uh, partners in ministry. That was exciting. Here at Sterling Foursquare, we do a lot of talking about uh, the next step. Um, we ask you to fill out that connection card. That's a next step. Uh, we ask you to sign up for that first square class. That's a next step. Uh, sometimes the next step is getting baptized in water. Uh, sometimes it's uh, stepping up to volunteer in some aspect of ministry here at Sterling Foursquare and our life together. Um, 
A next step can be taking that second square class and growing in our spiritual disciplines. Or the third class, discovering how God designed us and gifted us. Um, The next step can be moving from being a volunteer in ministry uh, to being a leader in development in ministry. So what's your next yes for Jesus? Our Father is always moving us forward. Sometimes we're eager to move with Him, and sometimes we're reluctant. This morning I want to talk about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, primarily, primarily reconciliation. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so if you want to kind of get that uh, open and ready, we'll be looking at that fifth chapter. Uh, forgiveness is to remit an offense to recognize that there's been a wrong done against you and that you remit the offense, that you set it aside, you don't deal with it, you uh, let the person be treated as if they had done no wrong. To reconcile, on the other hand, is to restore relationship and union. Uh, And there is a reality that uh, we can forgive somebody and not move into reconciliation with them. In this series, uh, as we've been talking about, as it is in heaven, we want it to be on earth. Uh, and uh, we have looked at the Lord's Prayer and the holiness of our Father and the things that, are, that He is about. And we want those to take place here. We've talked about the love of God, uh, particularly the love of God is the catalyst for the power of God. We want to keep that in mind, that we need to love God, love our neighbor. And in those circles of engagement, our relationships, friendships, and partnerships, we want to be able to express uh, the love of Jesus. We, we looked at the model of Jesus in, in uh, prayer and power and partnership with God. And we looked at access and permission, that we have access to all the resources of our Heavenly Father and permission to live into them and to use them uh, as we grow in the kingdom uh, of God. Last week, we looked at spiritual opposition, that uh, we need to get dressed in, our, in the armor of God, but then we need to stand and that we need to pray in every way possible. Our anchor verse for this series has been 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And so it's been about the kingdom uh, manifesting our Father's power and not just talking about it, but actually living it and doing it and having our Father be engaged with us in bringing it about. If you have your Bible and open, I would invite you to hold that up. Maybe your Bible's on your electronic device. You can get that out and hold it up as well. And let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word. Your word gives us life. Your word is able to cut through all the things that uh, we hide behind. And we ask, Father, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds that we might receive from you that which you have for us today. Bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you were a first century church planner and you were looking at demographics and all those other kind of good things that church planners want to look at before they decide where to plant a church, Corinth would not be that place that you would choose. But Paul being Paul, uh, he had come down from Athens, and he had uh, spoken there with the leaders, and 
He came down to Corinth and was waiting for Timothy and his other uh, partners to join him. And while he was there, he got a job uh, making tents because that was his trade. Uh, And then because Paul is Paul, an apostle, and the Holy Spirit is upon him, he started talking to people, building relationships and networking. And pretty soon there was a church in Corinth. And it was a troubled church. You see, Corinth is on a narrow isthmus that uh, separates uh, the upper body of Greece with the lower peninsula. And in those days, there was no canal uh, connecting that. And so cargo had to go all the way around the bottom. And the shortest way to do that was to offload on one side, take it over land and, and reload on the other side. And so Corinth was the major city. It was a religious city. There are about three temples there, Aphrodite being one of them and uh, um, the practice of that. Uh, In the first century, uh, the name Corinth uh, became a verb. And if you were called a Corinthianizer, that would be the greatest slur that someone could level against you. Uh, It was a name for the most vile kind of behavior. And that's what Corinth was when Paul came. And yet, he established a church there. If you read through the first letter of Corinthians, you can see that there is problem after problem after problem that Paul addresses, and yet they're all saints in the Lord. Uh, Here in the second letter of um, Corinthians, Paul is writing uh, to the church. Uh, Part of his uh, motivation is to defend his apostleship uh, because the Corinthian uh, church leadership has sometimes held Paul in contempt. And he wants to defend his apostleship and his ministry among them. But also he is, has on his heart and mind reconciliation. In Paul's day, uh, the great divides between people, uh, the major one was Gentile and Jewish. And there were prejudices on both sides of that line. If you were a Gentile, you hated Jewish people. Um, if you were a Jewish person, you hated Gentile people. The whole Jewish practice of being clean and unclean and connected with Gentiles meant that if you came in contact with one of them, you were unclean. Uh, so there's prejudice on both sides. And Paul has on his heart reconciliation. He has been speaking and planting churches among the Gentiles, bringing them to faith in Jesus Christ. And the church in Jerusalem at this time, around 55, 57 AD, is going through a difficult time. Uh, There's famine, there's all kinds of hardship. And so Paul wants to collect an offering from the Gentile churches that he has established and planted and bring that to Jerusalem to help relieve the suffering that's going on there. And that offering is more than just money. Uh, that's, That's a part of it for sure. But the real statement of it is that God has touched the hearts of all of his people So much that if you are in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, you still have regard for your brothers and sisters who are in Palestine, who are Jewish. And so this offering becomes a testimony and a statement of the power of God to transcend barriers and bring people together. And reconciliation is on Paul's mind and on his heart as he is writing. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. And there Paul writes these words, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Take the next step with Jesus. We need to move from forgiven to reconciled. I talked a little bit about forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, Forgiveness is to remit an offense, to treat the offender as not guilty, to overlook the offense. And I like this definition the best, not to impute the offense to the offender. When you impute something to someone, you you give them something, you label them, you um, make that a part of who they are. And, And so when we choose not to impute the offense to the offender, It means that we have forgiven them, that we're going to treat them as if the offense never happened. Reconciliation is a step beyond forgiveness. It's a call back into union and friendship to restore relationship, to restore friendship and favor. And and so when we are reconciled, uh, we deal with the offense, but then we work to restore the relationship the friendship, uh, the favor that was once there. And it is a lot of work in order to get there. It's not easy to do, and not everyone can do it, and not every uh, offense um, can ultimately reach reconciliation at the human level. Our Father is always taking the next step with us. He not only forgives us, hallelujah, that, that He forgives us. Second Corinthians 5, uh, 19 Uh, says that he doesn't impute the offense to us. Paul writes, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So our Father doesn't count our trespasses against us. When he forgives us, he stops counting. He doesn't remember, as Isaiah says, our sin. Uh, They are done away with. As far as the east is from the west, our sin is gone. He doesn't remember. He doesn't count. He doesn't hold us uh, against that. 
uh, and, and so we are uh, forgiven. The offense is not imputed to us. But then our Father takes a, a, next, a next step, a big step. He imputes the righteousness of Jesus to us. And that is a big step. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, here's, here's the exchange that Jesus is offering us. He wants to take from us our sin, and He's going to deal with it on the cross where He died with it and under it. And He's going to give in our place His righteousness so that we're covered with the righteousness of Jesus. It's not our own righteousness that we stand in when we come to our Father. It's in the righteousness of Jesus that is around us and that is how God sees us because the righteousness of Jesus has been given to us. And that's what Jesus is about on the cross when he dies in our place and gives to us his righteousness. It's no wonder Paul can write in verse 17 that if we're in Christ, if this has happened for us, if our sin has been given to Jesus and his righteousness has been given to us, then we have become a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That old man has died on the cross with Jesus. And the new life that we have has come from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we are being restored in him. Lori and I bought a, a trailer um, a year ago. We used it one time and discovered that it was in deplorable state. It was like uh, the Titanic sinking the first time we used it. And since then, we have been working on it. And uh, this winter, we had to stop because of the weather, but uh, we had taken the canvas down, had it uh, sent off to a place in Wisconsin, a Christian company, by the way, uh, and we just received the new canvas uh, on Monday. And so I got motivated. The weather was nice. It was warm. And uh, now the trailer is almost done. There's still a few things that need to be done. But it looks brand new. Uh, and it wasn't easy to do. Uh, Lori had to wrestle with the upholstery. Uh, I had to not only take things apart, but now remember how they go back together and put the new stuff up and, and work on it. And it's been a labor of, uh, uh, of love in some ways, but it's also been a hate love relationship kind of a thing because it's just been a challenge and a difficulty and it's stretching my skills. But restoration is like that. It's hard work and Jesus is restoring us uh, to the way God created us. We're his royal children. Uh, Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Because Jesus loves us, because the Father loves us, because Jesus died for us, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And the statement of the Holy Spirit in our life is that we are God's beloved children, cherished by Him, loved by Him, and we can call Him Daddy, that He belongs to us and we belong to Him. Your next step this morning, uh, after receiving God's forgiveness, maybe to forgive someone else. Matthew 6:14 at the end of the Lord's prayer as it's recorded in Matthew, Jesus says this to his disciples, 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So forgiveness is an important next step. If you've received the forgiveness of God, uh, then your next opportunity may be to forgive someone in your life. Take that next step with Jesus. Jesus wants us to move from living for self to living for Jesus. That's a a huge shift that we need to take, and that is an opportunity uh, that Jesus gives to us. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This whole series has been about taking what is happening in heaven and making it become real here on earth. But if you start with as it is on earth right now, that's not a very good beginning place uh, because it's not good down here. Uh, The world is broken. It's filled with brokenness, not only broken things and institutions, but broken people. And left on our own, we tend to put self first. And when that happens, uh, things get very dicey indeed. Uh, Paul reminded the Galatian church because they had that dog-eat-dog mentality that was going on that had to be dealt with. And Paul wrote this about uh, for them to consider. He says, but if you bite and devour one another... Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, if your mentality is it's a dog-eat-dog world and you're the big dog and you've got to make sure that no one is going to attack you because you attack them first, there's always a bigger, meaner dog. And if you live that way, you're going to be consumed that way. And so that's how it is on earth now, but that's not how we want it to be. We want to bring down heaven and make it reality on earth. And so if we desire heaven on earth, we need to choose a different path. We need to choose a different way. We need to choose a, a different metaphor in order to live out uh, what God has done for us. And that different way of living is to put Jesus first, to make him the first consideration, uh, to live for the sake of Jesus to be engaged in the work of Jesus. That's our privilege that Jesus is calling us to, uh, that we can be partners with him, that his work is not completed in full. The kingdom is still in the process of coming, and we get to be engaged in that and be partners with him in that work, Uh, that we can live by the vision of Jesus for this world rather than our own vision. And his vision is a powerful vision of being unified in our Heavenly Father and being drawn together and to be made one. Uh, That vision uh, for God's people, for all people, is powerful. And we can live out of that. And that we can live out of his heart of compassion. So many times when people came to Jesus in their need, in their brokenness, in their disease, in their oppression. Jesus was moved by compassion for them. And he acted on their behalf to make a difference in their life. And we need to have that same compassion for people that we can act on their behalf to make a difference in their life. Uh, Yes, even making sacrifices as we lay down our rights to self. Peter reminds us that when we 
became followers of Jesus, that we became a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you've been called out of darkness and you're now in light, then you are a royal priest under the priesthood of Jesus Christ. The Latin word for priest is pontus. And that's curious because in Latin, the same word for bridge is pontus. And the work of a priest is to build bridges, to connect people with each other, to connect people with our Heavenly Father. So often in this world, the first thing we want to do is put up walls. We, we want to put up a wall. We want to mark a line. We want to put a barrier. We want to separate. We want to keep apart from the things that we fear or don't like or whatever our prejudice may be. But if we're truly a priest under the high priesthood of Jesus Christ, we're in the work of building bridges. And that means we need to tear down walls. We can tear them down on our side. We can persuade others to tear their wall down so that we can build a bridge that connects people with our Heavenly Father so that the grace of Jesus can be present in their life. And that's what it means to be a priest under the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. And we need to take that next step with Jesus that we can live for Him rather than living for ourselves. There is another next step that we need to take or we need to consider as we move closer to our Heavenly Father, and that is that we need to be engaged in the work or in the service of reconciliation. If we're going to be agents of reconciliation, of making peace, of bringing people together under Jesus Christ, there are requirements that we need to be aware of because uh, the, the work is challenging and difficult. And the first thing that we need to be aware of, the first requirement, is that we need to be controlled by the love of Christ. Not by ourself, not by what we think is good, but by the love of Jesus Christ. You're familiar with John 3.16? I bet you can probably quote it. I first memorized it out of the King James Version. But uh, there's a, another translation of John 3.16. It's the God's Word edition. And it says this, God loved the world this way. He gave his only son that everyone who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. The love of God for the world is expressed in the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to love the world the way Jesus loves the world, it's going to call require that we make sacrifices. We celebrate that Jesus has paid our debt and that we're free, that our sin has been taken care of. And yet the reality is, as Paul writes in, in verse 16 of this passage, as he talks about um, the fact that uh, Jesus has paid everyone's debt, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Uh, that's not what I want. Um, that Jesus has... Uh, paid the debt of everyone, that 
because he died, everyone has died. The debt has been paid uh, completely. And that if we want to engage in that work, then we need to recognize that other people have had their debt paid as well and that we can forgive them because of that. We need to look with people, look at people with the eyes of Jesus, spiritual eyes. Verse 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What Paul is talking about is his early experience as a Pharisee. He stood and watched and held the robes of the men who stoned and killed Stephen. And from that very moment, his heart was filled with a zeal for Israel. And he took on a life mission of persecuting the followers of Jesus because in his understanding, Jesus was a blasphemer, someone who was opposed to the Jewish faith, someone who was distorting it, making it impure, and it had to be destroyed. And that was Paul's mission. Saul was his name at the time. And so he was rounding up followers of Jesus. He was torturing them, murdering them, desiring that they would recant their faith in Jesus Christ. He was even commissioned to go to Damascus to round up the followers of Jesus in that city and bring them back to Jerusalem. And when he was on his way there, he encountered Jesus in a blinding light. Paul's eyes were always spiritually closed when he was uh, that Pharisee persecuting. But when he encountered Jesus and that blinding light, his physical eyes were blinded. And then when uh, Bartimaeus came and talked to him and opened his eyes so that he could see he was a new person. That's what Paul is talking about regarding people from a fleshly sense. And we need to see people through the eyes of Jesus. We need to see people with the eyes of our Father. We need to see people with the heart of our Father to acknowledge that everyone may become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Just like we were forgiven and made a new creation, everyone else has that same opportunity. That Jesus died for them and God considers them dead in their sin because of what Jesus did and therefore they have the opportunity to be in Jesus Christ and to become a new creation. Just as our Father chooses not to count trespasses against us, we need to choose not to count trespasses against each other because that is the way forgiveness and reconciliation needs to work. Paul writes and says that God is making His appeal through us. What Paul is saying, that the only vision of heaven and the Father that people are going to be able to see is how they encounter us, how they encounter me, how they encounter you. God is making His appeal through you and I. And, and how we live is how people are, are going to regard the way our Father is. And so we need to be aware of that. We know 
that people who die outside of, of Jesus, who have not obeyed the gospel, who have not given their life to Jesus, face a severe penalty and a consequence. Now, we can have several attitudes in response to that knowledge. We can laugh at them and deride them and think, wow, you guys are going to hell and I'm not. Hallelujah, I'm, I'm good. Or, or we can laugh at them and say, oh, I'm glad you guys are going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. Neither one of those options is very healthy. Neither one of those options is the way the Father uh, would see it. Paul says that because we know the fear of the Lord, we choose to persuade. Uh, we want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Our Father wants everyone to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that they can be saved, so that no one would have to perish. And so we need to choose to persuade, to use whatever words we have, whatever lifestyle that we can uh, under the anointing of Jesus Christ to persuade people to have faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And an ambassador is a political word. It means an ambassador has been authorized by the leadership of a country to go to another country to represent the first country. And so as ambassadors for Christ, we have been authorized by Jesus to go to the world. We have his authority, as Pastor Ben has talked about in the Great Commission, all authority has been given to Jesus, and he gives us his authority to go and make disciples. So we're authorized ambassadors. Uh, we're legitimate. We're authorized, and we can speak the good news through Jesus Christ. Secondly, we are empowered by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is present in our life. Because the Holy Spirit is present, we have the power of our Father moving with us, making a way for us, uh, already addressing what needs to be addressed so that when we come and speak, people are able to respond. And we're directed by the Father through His Word. Uh, this book is our guidelines. It tells us how to live. It shows us how to uh, be what God wants us to be. And the more we know of it, the better we can accomplish uh, what God has directed us to do. But it directs and guides us and helps us to accomplish what God has set forth for us. And finally, the ambassador is a representative of his country. People in that second country want to know what uh, the country that the ambassador is from is like, they look to the ambassador. They look to the way he lives. They look to the way he speaks. They look to uh, his manner and how he is. And then they know what his country is like uh, that he's from. And it's the same way with us. We are ambassadors for Christ and therefore we are representing heaven. The only heaven that some people will see is what they see in us. And we are that representative. Philippians 2.15, Paul writes to the church there and says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And that's exactly what we are, shining stars in the midst of darkness. Yes, the world around us is broken. Yes, the world has lots of problems. 
And, and yet, if we are connected with Jesus Christ and his light is in us, then we get to shine as stars. And because it's dark, we shine all the more brightly. And we need to be that to represent our Father on earth, that he can make his appeal through us. I would invite the worship band to come up on the platform. And I would invite you to stand as you're able. Uh, we need to take the next steps with Jesus uh, to move from forgiven to reconciled, uh, to move from living for self to living for Jesus, uh, and to take the big step of serving the ministry of reconciliation. Imagine what your life would be like this morning if you experienced the Father's forgiveness And you were willing to bestow that forgiveness on others. Jesus is here and he's calling your name. And if you have not received his forgiveness yet, it's here today for you. You just need to say yes to Jesus and invite him to be a part of your life. And he will uh, give you that forgiveness. And as you receive forgiveness, uh, you can take that next step of forgiving uh, someone else. Just know that you are loved, that you're valued, the Father cherishes you. Open your heart to receive the love he has for you this morning and say yes. Maybe you've taken that step of receiving God's forgiveness and now you are moving into a, a sense of peace with the Father, that, that things are right with you, that you're in favor, your relationship is restored. Uh, you have a sense of God's favor shining down upon you and more blessings on the way. Uh, that is a good place uh, to be. What would it be like to live for Jesus, to share those blessings and those favors and that relationship with other people, to put him first? to express his love and joy in all your relationships. What would it be like for us as a congregation this morning to begin uh, to heal the brokenness around us? To not just see what's broken and complain about it, but to actually text, take steps to begin to heal and mend and repair. What would it be like if we were able to advocate for one another, to be supportive of one another, to be encouraging of one another, and to tear down dividing walls that exist between people, to express God's love in all our friendships, relationships, and partnerships. I believe our Father would move in powerful ways as we engage in this mission of making peace. Would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the forgiveness that you have given to each one of us. We thank you for that forgiveness. And Father, we want to take the next step of forgiving of the ones that have offended us. And Father, we want to take the even bigger step of bringing reconciliation into this world. So Father, we ask that you would uh, be in our midst, that you would uh, fill us with your spirit, that you would anoint us with your power, that you would direct our steps, that we might take the steps that we need to take to bring reconciliation into our community. Help us to tear down walls. 
and help us to build bridges in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've got some action steps for you this morning. Number one, read Ephesians 2 every day this week. Uh, The second step is ask your Father to give you spiritual eyes to see the people as He sees them. And then speak words of healing and encouragement in your relationships, friendships, and partnerships this week.